Today, the Chili Crew was given the distinct privilege of interviewing Troy from ReviveThoughts.com and talking about his podcast, well, Revive Thoughts, and another podcast he's involved in called Revive Divas. You see, this podcast is very interesting, one of the most unique that I've ever seen. They take sermons from a very long time ago and bring them up to today. Change the language, make them sound better, and record them so we don't lose that information. Some of these sermons are all the way back from about 2,000 years ago. <laughs> it's almost as old as I am. <laughs> Ooh, I cracked myself up. Unfortunately, some of the chili crews sounded like the editor got the bright idea of shoving their microphones inside of an empty soup can. But it all worked out in the end. Without any further ado, this is Troy with Revived Thoughts speaking to the chili crew. This is Justin speaking. This is Sully. This is Wayne. This is Troy. Troy wow. is from a wonderful podcast known as Revive Thoughts. Hey, Wayne, can you give us a word of prayer? Sure. Dear God, we are so thankful to, to come before you. We thank you for this opportunity we have to uh, meet new friends and, and find out where they're coming from on your podcast. Lord, we're looking forward to this. Revive Thoughts. Uh, be with Justin. Uh, and be with all of us as we put together some zinger questions for this guest. Thank you, God, for loving us and providing for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, amen. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you actually prayed about the questions, how zingy they are. So I'm a little nervous if you have to go before God with them. I mean, that's... Oh, no, I just want them to be good. I just want them to be good. <laughs> right, so I guess a very basic question we like to ask everybody is... All right, so how long have you guys been podcasting? Uh, and I say you guys because it is uh, yeah. Joel and Troy. Yeah, actually, uh, Joel and I ran a podcast many years ago, but we won't talk about that because it failed after a year and there's nothing to say. But we've been working on Revive Thoughts since 2017. We released it, officially launched it in May of 2019. And uh, we've been doing that now a little over a year. And we just launched Revive Devos, our second podcast in May. So now we're doing two. And we have plans for a third before we're over. By the end of the year, it could be as close as up to maybe even five. Wow. What, what was that other one called? Revive Devos? Revive Devos. So uh, I could explain Revive Thoughts first because Revive Devos, I feel like, makes more sense in the context of that. But uh, we'll see. Revive Thoughts, we take uh, sermons from the past and we record them into audio. Um, sermons by people like Charles Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards. Martin Luther and Chrysostom, St. Augustine, all these guys who lived a long time ago, almost all these famous theologians that people have heard of, they've seen quoted uh, by their preacher or seen quotes online, whatever it is, they were all preachers first. And we have most of their sermons. So, uh, but most people don't know that and they don't realize that they don't think about that. And so we have all this great truth of how to live out these great ideas just sitting there. So we decided to take them uh, edit them up a bit, make them sound a little less King Jamesy, a little bit more modern, but all the thoughts are theirs. And then we have them recorded by different people. We've had two people from Biblical Chilean, maybe a third if they get their sermons to me, uh, come in and do them and they read them out themselves. And then we put together the backstory of my co-host, Joel and I will tell you how that preacher came to be that guy. Like what, what did he go through? Where was he born? Where was he living? So you can hear the backstory of that preacher then you get to hear the sermon and it, it makes a really good combination. Uh, and then we run a second show called Revive Devos. Every single day, 
we put two to three minute out little short little devotionals out really good for a morning like drive or something um we go through andrew murray martin luther uh dl moody saint augustine jonathan edwards oswald chambers and, uh, and richard baxter and so you get every day one of those seven guys you know you'll get a little bit of something from them just to kind of get your day started that's that's awesome like <laughs> And, and what, one thing I, I just, I know I have to say about uh, listening to your podcast myself, uh, I do, I, I honestly, going into it, I thought, oh man, I'm not going to like them just giving me the background, man. I just want to hear this sermon, but I, I wait for that. Like I anticipate that, that pattern because it's, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's more com- impactive when you hear yeah. the story of who this person really is and what they've went through. Yeah, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But and then they, you kind of go into their sermon and you kind of almost get a feel for their personality. So yeah, I, I, we, we did. We did. I was gonna say we started planning it back in 2017, and we we tried a couple different styles, but there was just something missing when you just heard the sermon. Originally, we were just gonna read the sermons, no editing. And we're like, this sounds weird. I'm just I'm not used to listening to King James like this. Then we edited them. And we're like, yes, good but it's missing something. So then we tried giving you that backstory. And, and the, the best way to explain it is just, if I told you I had a sermon here by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and I read it to you, you'd go, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Or actually, if I told you I had a sermon here about overcoming fear, you go, that's pretty cool. If I told you it was by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you go, oh, that's really cool. If I told you, no, no, he preached it right after these Nazis marched through the streets with torches on Friday, declaring they wanted Hitler to be the chancellor of Germany. And that Sunday, people show up to church scared they don't know what's going on. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer gets up and goes, don't be afraid. We have Jesus on our side. We win. And you go, no, that's that's a lot more impactful, actually. That that makes sense to me now. Right. It, it, it almost get, brings it to that personal level. That, that Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what can, can I ask, uh, what do you love the most about having your own show when it when it comes to you guys? I know, I know we're only seeing kind of like one side of the story here, but sure. that's okay. Uh, whew, loving the most about having our own show. I guess for us, we kind of, we had a show a long time ago. It was just kind of a, a goofy talk show. And by the time it was over, I would hear people say, oh, I've listened to a little bit of your show. And I was embarrassed. I was like, oh, I, w- I wish you hadn't listened to it, actually, because we weren't really uh, we weren't really proud of the product we were putting out. You know what I mean? We were having conversations, but we didn't like the way they sounded. With this show, I love when I hear people have heard this show. I'm like, no, isn't that good? And the content's not even mine. It's just like, isn't that crazy what kind of life that guy lived? Isn't it crazy the sermons he preached? Like, I don't feel any embarrassment because I'm not really in it. The show is about other people. And it's all about just lifting up these great saints of the past and the things that they did. I, I feel almost just like you could replace me with someone else and you'd hardly even notice, really. I, I think that that's awesome, you know, because if they don't like the sermon, well, it, I didn't write it. Like. Yeah, exactly. It's not on me. It's not, it's not a big deal. I'm just bringing it to you. And if you don't like this sermon, we're going to have a new one next week. So maybe that one will be more your cup of tea. And it's funny because you'll see certain preachers do really well and others not. And it's like, yeah, some people like Spurgeon more. Some people like Martin Luther. It just, it's whatever. Okay. So this is a question that Tom wanted. What is the most interesting thing that you've discovered when researching these thoughts? Because I know as you go in there, and you mentioned this in one of the podcasts I just listened to, you said that you make sure that you research who these people are in depth. Yeah. What's one of the most interesting things that you've uh, discovered when researching? Uh, man, that's actually a really tough question because that's kind of like saying, which of your 10 sports cars goes fast, you know, is your favorite? It's like, well, there's, I love all of them. So how could I, you know, and I don't have 10, but I'm just saying I, I wouldn't know how to choose. But I think one thing that we realized early on 
and has, I think if you listen to out throughout the show, it has stood true. But I wouldn't have known it going in is that these great theologians that we look up to, these great book writers, these great preachers, almost all of them suffered a lot in different ways, but they went through really incredibly difficult things. So for example, Spurgeon really struggled with depression. There were times where he didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, he struggled with a ton of inner conflict in his church. He got kicked out of his church. Um, Hudson Taylor lost multiple kids and wives on the mission field. George Mueller lost his entire, he would outlive every single member of his family. Uh, you could just keep going one after another, after another, where these guys did not live, li George Matheson lost his eyesight over time. Uh, you know, Lemuel Haynes was kicked out of his, I mean, you just keep, go keep going, every single one of them has stuff that they went through. But if I listen to their sermons, I don't hear a guy who's like, you know, I've had it really hard or, oh, you wouldn't believe what I've been through. I hear a guy, I hear people who are just so excited to talk about God, to talk about what God is doing in their life and how good our God is. And it's just so different than what I would have expected going in. If I lived even half the life some of these guys lived, I'd be like, man, you wouldn't believe what I've been through. I don't hear that in these guys' sermons. I don't see that in these guys' lives. They're the, it's almost like the more they go through for Christ, the more excited they are to tell you about Christ. It's, it's the exact opposite of what you'd expect. The other thing that I think is interesting is God uses all kinds of preachers. I went in with this expectation that like, you're gonna have these bold, tough guys and nothing can shake them. And that's true. These guys did preach in a way that was bold. John Newton at the sermon right before he gives, he, you know, he, he launches the song Amazing Grace. Uh, the sermon, the literal last line of his sermon was, uh, he's talking about how great God is. And he goes, and by the way, some of you are trees that are gonna get chopped down and thrown in the fire if you don't turn and repent soon. Not not the pre you know, amazing grace here it comes right like that's not the line you'd expect from him uh charles spurgeon basically called his his uh congregation criminals that's why the newspapers were so full of crime because everyone was a criminal and he, uh, these guys you know jonathan edwards obviously calls them dangling spiders hanging above the flame and these one uh the most recent sermon we just put out today anthony burgess was like yeah you guys are gonna someday be dragged to hell by demons you know it's these guys don't talk very nice they are bold but they're all different kinds. Richard Sives was a poet. Uh, some of these guys were very gentle. Jonathan Swift was a writer. Some of these guys were explorers like David Livingston, Hudson Taylor. Like they, they were all different kinds of people. Some were bold. Some just preached like uh, Alexander McLaren. Some did so many things that was crazy, crazy like D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon. And yet they were all used by God significantly. And it made me realize like there's not just one way to be a Christian and to make an impact that you can be, God can use you just as you are. If you're academic, that's cool. If you're more of a leader type, that's fine. If you like to start lots of initiatives, that's okay. If you just do one thing really well for God, that's, he can do that too. He's not, if you're a little emotion, a little more sensitive, a little more poetry, po poetic, that's cool with God. If you're on the other side, it, it doesn't really matter. God's going to use you. It's way more about how surrendered you are to him. That's awesome. It sounds like you have a passion for it. Uh, Wayne's got oh, a yeah. question here real quick. Sure. Okay, the, the thing you were just saying that these guys just came and said what had to be said, I've had this discussion many times with people that they have opinions and they want to just wade right in and mm -hmm. start saying things to a group of people like you're all going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. How do, sure. you think, how do you think today's society would deal with that kind of preaching? But at the same time, I'm going to say this. Are these people prompted to say these things by the Holy Spirit? I mean, I, I can't speak 
for the Holy Spirit. Um, clearly, <laughs> so I, I don't know. But uh, I always that, that that could even be theoretically blasphemy. So I'll be careful. But what if I had to guess based on the response and based on the impact these guys had uh, on the kingdom, I would say that emulating them not a bad way to go. And you know, Jonathan Edwards, these guys saw huge revivals in their time. But that again, they're all different. Jonathan Edwards is calling this spiders dangling above the pit. George Whitfield is begging them to come to Christ. Both of them saw thousands of people to come to Christ. Was one way better than the other, or was God using both of them just as they were? But I would say they didn't really sugarcoat it. No. And, and our day is not all that different than theirs. You know, we like to think, and that's something I've learned too. We like to think, oh, things are really especially hard right now. You know, the reformers were being burnt at the stake by people who thought selling, buying an indulgence got them out of hell. I actually think that might have been culturally a harder time to stand for the gospel in some way, you know, for the very least. Yes. Um, the, the Puritans, they, you know, we want to talk about sometimes Christians can be got to be careful what they say. They might lose their jobs. If you just said I'm a Puritan, not an Anglican, you're out of a job right after the English Civil War. And many of them lost their jobs. They were meeting in barns, hiding out in the woods preaching the gospel five miles away or they'd be arrested and five miles away didn't mean you drove five miles away. It mean you walked five miles to church yeah. and back. So it was a different time period. And yet these guys were almost bolder for their faith because of it. I think, I think people are drawn to truth. Um, I can, I can think of a podcast right now. Doing, is it just thinking? I don't know if you guys have heard the bar podcast, but they're blowing up right now because they're telling truth in a way that people were surprised by. I think to some degree, people like Revive Thoughts and Revive Devos have told us because, man, your sermons just sound different. It's like these people aren't really scared of being thrown up on Twitter and made fun of. It's kind of like, yeah, I think you're kind of right. They're not really that scared of it. Plus, again, it's not my words. So I'm, I'm safe in the way. But no, uh, I think I think when you I think you can try to try to sugarcoat the truth, try to put it down gently. That can work sometimes. But I think it tends to be honestly the bold truth that that is not afraid of man that God uses the most. I think you're going to get criticism. George Whitfield got kicked out of the churches. And when he looked around and realized he had no church to get on, he pushed up a little barrel and stood out and started preaching in the middle of the market square and saw a bigger crowd there than he'd seen in churches in years. So you know what? Maybe that's what it takes is that originality, that creativity, that unwillingness to be pushed down. I don't know. But I do know that you're going to be criticized. And I also think the truth needs to be spoken pretty toughly in love, but pretty straightforward. Right. And that, that actually brings me up to uh, my next question. And that, that's so that's perfect. So what do you think the best value is in reviving these thoughts, these messages? In it's the same. Okay, well, what's the best value do you think added? They're still applicable. You know, it's crazy how little people have changed. Like we, we, uh, it's, I could read these sermons to you. And if I didn't, if you didn't know that sermon was 700, 500, 300 years old, you would think that the, the, the same application is just as true today. D.L. Moody has a sermon from 140, 50 years ago. And the things he complains about are, you know, people reading the newspaper, they're going to the theater, they're spending too much time out at the lake, and they're, uh, and they're spending too much time um, doing stuff. And it sounds ridiculous. It's like, oh, that's not very relatable. But then if you take the theater and you realize during that time it was basically sexual immorality, and you take news and you just, you know, replace that with the Facebook news stream, and yep. you replace uh, the, the going to the lake with just pleasure in general. And suddenly you're like, oh, no, that's actually the exact same problems we still have today. People are too obsessed with news, too obsessed with pleasure, and too obsessed with uh, sexual immorality. Wow, that's extremely applicable to now. And his was a little bit more on the side. Some of these guys, 
again, you would never know. And if it's like, well, that's the same message. Why can't I listen to just people of today? Because I love people of today. I have lots of preachers I listen to from time today. I think that's great. But people of today haven't lived through the Civil War. They haven't lived through the Revolutionary War. They haven't lived through the Black Plague. They haven't lived through Yellow Fever. They haven't lived through things and experiences that that add value just by going through them. You know, we don't know what it's like to be Hudson Taylor going through China, uh, basically jungles and uh, mosquitoes. He doesn't have air conditioning. We'll never know what that's truly like, really. And so hearing his story, it helps us. It edifies us. It gives us perspective and diversity. And it realizes, it makes us realize, too, that our faith is so much bigger than right now in 2020. It is huge. It's been going strong for 2,000 years. And actually, it takes a lot to shake it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be so concerned. For me, honestly, it's helped me not to be. A lot of people I saw panicking during different things going on lately. I'm like, guys, relax. The church is not going anywhere until Jesus is ready for her, too. Hey, so, and you were just talking about um, the, the troubles and trials we go through. Your, one of your latest episodes that we're kind of highlighting this time was yep. one on David Livingston uh, called The Heart of Africa. Can you give us a synopsis of that? And, and kind of without divulging the whole episode, sure. like, give, us, give us some of the highlights. Man, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. He, so he was called to go to Oxford and give a lecture. And technically, this is one of the few episodes that's not a direct sermon because he was not a direct preacher or minister. It's a lecture, but it's still, it's still one of the only places. You, it's the only place online you can listen to it. Um, and he goes to, he's just, he goes to Oxford. He's telling his story, and he has two days to go there. The first day, all of Oxford is pretty much shut down. They want to hear his story. The second day, the entire village and the mayor and the everyone in town is there. They want to hear what's going on. It's just this crazy story. So he's just basically recounting his missionary story of when he arrived in Africa, uh, what he went through, different things he tried, different expeditions and explorations he was doing, and, and what was going on with the slave trade in Africa and all the things that were happening to him between him and the South Africans, him and the Portuguese, where they were taking people and sending them off to uh, the Americas at the time, where they were taking people as slaves themselves. And all the fights he was getting with just how difficult it was to preach the gospel and how, how, you know, but when he started seeing fruit, what was going on that caused that it was just a really cool story. You know, I think, I think everybody loves when a missionary can tell you a really cool story. And that's no different if that missionary lived 150 years ago. It's still, in some ways, it's almost more fascinating because it's like, Hey, you did all that without a cell phone and a laptop. I really want to hear what's going on. <laughs> Wayne, you had a uh, a comment uh, about David Livingston before we started. Yeah, I, I read something uh, before I came over. It was about, and I, I, I'm sure that every missionary, every pastor, anyone in the ministry has this issue. But it said his family took second. They were second to everything else. Um, and that's, I, I know for us, we talk about family first. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you can you just kind of give your opinion on those things? To the question of family first for David Livingston, I would I would argue that David Livingston did not. I don't think he put his put his family first. Uh, in about 1853, 1852 or something like that, he literally his family gets sick. He sends them back to Scotland and he goes back to Africa. So clearly, you know, he's not living with his family. He's not being there as a dad. I would argue that that's not him uh, putting the family first. Now, whether that's right or wrong i i personally i mean for me i i think my marriage has got to be very important raising the kids has got to be very important but are there times you know it does jesus does say sometimes you know i put a sword between you know daughter and mother and, and father and son and, and brother and sister all that i think there will be times for certain people where there may have to be a time when the ministry does come first 
Francis Chan in his book, he just wrote a, a book a few years ago about marriage. He said, there are going to be moments when you wish you could put your family first, but you're starting a new church and there are just going to be happy times where date night has to take a little step back because you got to start that new church and there's just going to be things that are pulling you away. And you know that for a season, that's going to come first. And then when you can, you're going to have another season where your marriage has to come first. And you say, church, I got to step back. I got to be focused on this because I can't lose my marriage, but I also can't not do what I'm called to do. I think a good counterexample to David Livingston um, is Alexander is the sermon we had by Alexander White with the with Eli. Eli from the book of Samuel. Uh, we had a sermon that actually came out kind of right around Father's Day. We thought for a reason. And the the preacher, Alexander White, basically said, hey, the problem with Eli was he was trying to be judge of Israel and he was trying to be priest of Israel at the same time. And these are two jobs that a man can't do. And in fact, you later on see Saul try to be king and priest, and that's what gets Saul taken away from being both, right? And Eli before him tried to do both, and he couldn't, he was he was always traveling through Israel, he was always sacrificing at the temple, but nobody was raising his kids. Look what happens to his kids. They're terrible. They're some of the worst of the worst. And in fact, his entire family gets punished. Everyone ends up dead, and the Ark of the Covenant is taken away, right? There's a direct punishment. And it goes back to even though Eli had good intentions, he was trying to do way too much for God. It wasn't meant to be like that. And nobody was raising his kids. I think that's true, too. I think it can definitely happen to the minister who gets so focused on ministry that he ends up not doing what God has called him to. But mm-hmm. as for Livingston, I don't know whether that happened with him or not. It's a very different time he was living in where, quite frankly, kids and family weren't really a priority because you didn't, I mean, the average lifespan for the average industrial worker was 22. So by the time that kid is five or seven, that's working age. I mean, what do you got, what do you got left to focus on, right? It's living in sin himself jumped in there at 10. So, you know, I don't know. Man, I'm ancient if it was 22. (laughs) Yeah, you, we'd be old, we'd be the old men of the village, you know, heck, we might even be the assistant to the manager of the factory at this point because we're so old, but yeah. Man. Okay, so, so we're talking about David Livingston. He was, he was a missionary. So I'm yeah. going to ask this question. This, this is for all of us. What do you think a missionary is? And, and before we start off, I'm going to drop uh, a dictionary definitions here. Uh, missionary is a noun. It's a person sent on a religious mission, especially sent uh, to prominent Christianity in a foreign land. But with that, I would also like to say Tom and I looked up one one definition and it actually did say like the root word of missionary is to be on a mission and it actually did not preface religious that this was actually the second definition uh, mm. that was associated with it so what do you guys think uh, this guy kind of goes out to everybody what do you guys think a missionary is well i think you for me the first thing i think of is being on a mission it also the other thing that comes to mind is you have a vision and within that vision is your mission and you step out to do whatever that might be. I mean, in this case, we're talking about missionaries who are, I believe, called to the mission field, whatever that mission field is, and the vision is developed and they go. I mean, it's the Great Commission. They go. And this I'm fascinated by the, and I'm sorry, I'm the one that owes you a message. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm saying I'm fascinated by these guys that just shot from the hip and said what needed to be said. Uh, if those guys stepped out on that mission, that was their mission that day to preach those words, 
regardless of what some might have thought that's about awesome. it. But that was their mission, you know, I, and, and that's what I think of. Uh, a missionary has a mission and a vision and they step out and, and God pushes them along and leads them in the direction they should go. Um, that's just me on a pulpit here. I know one one very interesting thing I, I found about listening to David Livingston, which, by the way, I, I you guys mentioned in the beginning of the episode something like, well, everybody knows this story. And I'm like, yeah, everybody knows it. <laughs> I, it makes me feel better. I didn't know the story either. But Joel was seen. He, he seemed convinced that everybody did. So I, I went for it. You know, why not? Right. 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 But I mean, it's still a good story because, I mean, and I'm not going to divulge too much, but the guy went through, I don't know, like kind of like Wayne, like you were saying with, with the whole, okay, you have a mission. When someone's on a mission, they're not going to let anything get in their way. They're going to have that boldness to, to step out yeah. and to do what, what they believe is right to do. And that was one thing that I noticed about uh, Livingston. But I think if we call every Christian a missionary, in some ways, don't we kind of cheapen the term of what a missionary is? Because there are some people who they pack up their bags, they take their family, or they go by themselves, and they go learn a language in a foreign land, and they translate the Bible into a new language. And I feel like if I say, well, that's no different than me telling my coworker about Christ, but it is, right? It's a little bit different. We know that they're a little bit different. My wife and I, we struggled with this because we lived in China, and my daughter was there too. We lived in China for two years, and we didn't feel quite comfortable calling ourselves Christians because even though, or sorry, Christians, yes, uh, missionaries, because even though we went there with the purpose to tell people about Jesus, we knew others who were raising money. They had a whole mission organization that sent them. And we just went by ourselves and started teaching and telling people about Jesus where we were. But we we're like, you know, I feel like compared to these other people who are raising money who are being sent by a whole, a whole organization, I feel like that's what you think of when you think of a missionary. I feel like us, we're just people who kind of almost more like tent makers. Like we just kind of went over and started telling people about Christ, but we weren't we weren't held accountable to anybody. If we decided to come back when we did, there was no one to report to, nothing like that. It was a whole different thing. And so in my mind, I'm like, there's got to be, you've got to be sent. I think there's got to be somewhere you're going. I think for a missionary to just, to be doing, you can be living on mission. We're all called to fulfill the Great Commission. But I think for you to be a, a missionary, there's got to be somewhere you're going. I mean, I know people who say they go to Utah and I'm like, well, they do speak English there, but they are mostly, you know, Mormons. But they are still in America. They're still under the Constitution. I guess that makes you a missionary. I'm not going to fight you too hard on it, but it still seems a little strange. But I'm I'm more willing to give you that ground. But if you're just like, yeah, I'm a missionary. I, you know, I work at McDonald's. I tell people about Jesus. I'm going to be like, well, it sounds to me like you're a Christian who's just doing the basics. Like that, that feels a little different. I don't know, guys. Push back on me if you think I'm wrong. Well, I, I don't think you're entirely wrong on that. Tom and I looked up. Uh, I mean, I, I would I would agree a little bit with both sides because we should all be fulfilling similar to what you're saying with with the Great Commission. But when we looked up the uh, history of the word missionary, uh, obviously one of the root words is, is mission. Uh, I believe the Latin term uh, root word was mito or misio. And uh, when it came to that, it was like it really came about when the church started. I, I don't know, I guess uh, hiring people or, or sending out priests. And that was like you just said, they were sending the priests out and the preachers out to go and reach these other uh, nations. I, I wish I remember the date, but I, I want to say it was like, you know, I don't know, 1300 years ago when the word was invented or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a long time ago. And it was the church that, that used it because they wanted to not just reach the people in our backyard. So yeah. uh, I, I got a real comment. Oh, Jeff is coming back. 
this is good. This is awesome. Uh, I would agree. I think the word <clears throat> the word boldness is key. Many of us, for many reasons, lack or don't take advantage of boldness. Do you think being in a foreign country is part of the description then? Ah, man, that's tough. I, like I said, I know other people who would say they go to Utah or they go to, uh, you know, if you go to Native American tribe in America, have you left a foreign country? I mean, I'm not sure if that's leaving a foreign country, but it's definitely going to a different culture. I think, I do think to be a missionary, I think on some level, you've got to go to a culture to a group that's different than your own. I don't know that you can just go from one suburb to another and say, I'm a missionary. Now I feel like it's gotta be a little bit more than that. And even if you are, I mean, okay, technically maybe you're a missionary by some word title, but when we hear the word missionary, don't we all kind of picture something different than that? We picture somebody yeah. just going out and doing something. It just seems like it's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, I've got something. Go ahead. Now, being raised as a young kid, that was my definition of what a missionary was. It was somebody who went off. I mean, we had missionary conferences. They came in from all over the world and they told us about where they were, what mm -hmm. they were doing. Uh, so I, I see that side of it. I would agree with that side of it. I also uh, have been in homes where there's a sign above the door that says, you are now entering your mission field. So in that sense, I also agree. Um, but I th for me, just off the top of my head, my background, a missionary is someone who's packed his bags and gone. Uh, and and they've, they've done all the things they have to do to raise support. I mean, there's a struggle there before they even get out of the country. Yeah. Because they have to raise money. They have to find a place to live. They're going to bring their families if they have families. Um, that, to me, epitomizes what we used to say in the Baptist church, they're missionaries. We're sending them. We're going to support them. But I also, like, I, I'm repeating myself, I know, but I mean, every day we step outside the door is the mission field. Everybody we talk to, everybody we come across, uh, it is. I mean, are you talking about the Lord? Are you filtering in God into the conversation? Are you filtering in God um, with things that you're saying? Are you loving? Are you kind? People are people are in tune to those people. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, those those things are important. They're really important. And Jeff Lugbill, let me talk about Jeff for a minute. <laughs> I knew Jeff was different the first time I met him. I knew that guy. There was something different about him, uh, and and we we become friends. He's a believer. I knew that. I knew that by his actions and his words. Uh, Tom's jumping in and saying. Much like Jesus left his home to be taken seriously, so too. I feel a missionary has to leave his or her area of influence to allow God to take the reins instead of their own reputation. You know, I think that's a great comment because it's quite, comfort quite, zone. what was that? Comfort zones. You're like, you know what I mean? It's just a little boundary that you go off of. Yeah. Like that. Well, right. And, and when it comes to if, if we're going to define missionary as, as actually leaving, <laughs> leaving your backyard sometimes. When it comes to that, don't you have to rely on Christ quite a bit more? You have you have to, to have that faith because yeah. uh, you, you literally are ste stepping into the unknown and fully relying on him. Uh, in a lot of respects, like Wayne, you were talking about the finances. I know there are many missionaries that 
they come to the states for finances. We know uh, one per in particular, his name is Brother Mike. Uh, we all know him. Uh, he's not Mike on the episode, but Mike is his uh, name, we call him. We'll put it that way <laughs> because of the mission field he's going into. Uh, but and so that's why he's in the States is he's trying to raise awareness and raise funds so he can go across these. Uh, or it could just be something as simple as a language barrier. Mm-hmm. You're trusting in the Lord to, to try to, <laughs> quite frankly, I mean, uh, break down that barrier when it comes to understanding it and, and transmitting that information. So I guess um, maybe the thought would be somebody who's intentionally going somewhere where people don't know the Lord to tell them about the Lord. And that may not necessarily mean a different language, a different country. I could see there are probably parts of America that are a little bit more lost where you're like, yeah, I'm moving, but I'm going to intentionally go where Jesus isn't to tell them about that. And I think there's, everyone just knows inherently that there's a little more sacrifice and a little more surrenderance than just saying, um, you know, it's just me working at my regular job. There's just a little something more to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's like that reliance, that trust in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so let me let me bring up another question here. Maybe we can answer. Maybe we can't. How does one go about becoming a missionary? You ever seen those connect cards at a church? You know, want to get baptized at the bottom, become missionary, and then you you, you check that off. You're done. That's pretty much all there is to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Next question. Yeah. yeah right. We're good. <laughs> Would you like to be a missionary? Check. The box. Yeah. Kind of like the, the organ donor card. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> <The> <laughs> organ yes, donor card. Yes, to be an organ. Is that in the back of your license? Yeah. I, my, I firmly believe that it's a calling. And especially if you're leaving the United States of America, you are you're called. You're called to go. I mean, I have not had that calling, so I can't really dig deep into the the explanation of that. But uh, I mean, obviously you have, you went to China. You were sure. tent makers. Yeah. So what made you go to China? We uh, we wanted to go to, we always kind of, we would like to go tell people about Jesus. We got Bible trained at a Bible college. So we felt that was a good you know thing to do. And uh, we had wisdom and we felt like it was our responsibility to pass it on, right? Tell others about the Lord and how he changed our lives. But I never felt called to go. You know, I pictured a missionary. I always imagined somebody in a foreign island drinking coconut milk and eating fried fish and you know, no air conditioning and no electricity. And I thought that was super cool for people who could do it. But for me, like I'm allergic to fish. So like 90% of the food would have been no good for me anyway. And, you know, I just didn't see like that was a realistic option. And when we did, then we kind of talked to different people who'd been to Asia and we're like, you know, like Asia is full of cities, right? Like you can still get to work and it's very normal. It's not, but they just don't know Jesus. And I was like, oh, oh really? That's crazy. Okay. Well, God, you know, we, we started talking and looking it up. We're like, God, where do you want to send this? And we quickly looked at a map of Asia. And we're like, well, we know China's off that communist country. We had too much work to go there. So we tried Japan, South Korea, Thailand. Anyway, we ended up in China, uh, the one place we didn't expect. And uh, we ended up in North China, which most people, when they conjure images up China in their head, they're thinking jungle, kind of forest, humid, hot, you know, things like you've seen in Indiana, you know, Indiana Jones 2 or something like that. Not Shenyang. Shenyang is north. It's barren. It snows like nine months of the year. It's just a little bit north of North Korea. And it was everything. I mean, it was, it's, it's more like far more like Detroit than it was ever uh, anything else. But man, we learned a lot about God. We went there. We knew how to say Nihao. And that was it. Uh, we were in so many ways the worst, absolutely just the worst missionary people you could have ever sent out. Um, but 
hey man it worked out two years later we we loved it we had a great time at it but i just felt like i was saying hey time to go to seminary now so that was when we, we bounced that's awesome I, I got one i got another comment jeff's chiming in again my grandparents left good careers at dow dow chemical in midland michigan to run camp barrichel wait a minute yes yes i knew this yes I knew this. yeah okay those yeah. of you who don't know camp barrichel is like down the street from us i never knew this about jeff uh then spent 30 years in in the Dominican Republic, building churches, schools, and medical clinics. So leaving the country has also been the definition I was raised with. Uh, I can imagine our Savior laughing at us discussing out definitions of the word. Yeah. But this is a wonderful discussion. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jeff. No, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Right. And it's it's kind of funny because, right, I mean, like, Christ, let's, let's face it, Christ was trying to reach anybody he could no matter where he went. And he even left not just his 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 uh, house uh, or his hometown. We'll say he actually went to places that were non-Jewish cities. And mind mm -hmm. he didn't have a lot of influence there, but he left some influential things there uh, with like the healings of people and and so forth that he did. And it still mm -hmm. made that impact because he was still bold, as we just just got done talking about, and and went out there and and did what needed to be done. I could sit here and listen to you all night. You're passionate about what you're doing, man. Right. Uh, Thank you. I, I apologize. I haven't listened to uh, any of the podcasts, but I'm going to now. No worries. You are absolutely passionate about what you're doing. I, can, I Like I said, I could listen to you uh, <laughs> speak about what you, I mean, this is your passion, obviously, and this is going well. And if I had to encourage anybody out there that's doing a podcast, this guy had one before it didn't work out. Yeah, he found yeah. another product and the product takes care of itself. And you're passionate about it. I'm loving listening to you. Thanks, so, man. No, I actually tell people too, sometimes uh, you'll see, I don't know if you guys spend much time in like podcasting boards and stuff, but people will ask all the time, like, you know, I've got like, uh, you know, I got two downloads a week. How am I doing? It's like, well, you know, <laughs> you might not be doing super hot actually partner. And I, I try to tell them like, Hey, Sometimes you gotta let what you're doing die so that something better can come of it. If we were still trying to do that first show that was not going anywhere, I mean, even after five years, we might've seen some like miniature success, but there were better ideas and we had to let go of one to see some of those others come about. And honestly too, we weren't mature enough. We weren't old enough. We weren't experienced enough to do revive thoughts when I had the idea originally for it, which was like many years ago. It takes time sometimes. I think I think it's okay. I think a lot of people feel like, oh no, if this fails, it's bad. It's like, no, we wouldn't have launched Revive Thoughts well if we had never done the first show. And likewise, we would have never launched Revive Thoughts if we hadn't let the first show just die. Sometimes it's good to just kind of let something sink so you can do what something God has called you to do. I, I thank you for saying I'm passionate, but man, it's it's easy to be passionate when you just realize how cool these guys' stories are, how great their sermons are, and how just for I just feel like we're just blown away that no one else thought of the show before us we can't as soon as we oh lost him. Uh oh i lost him yeah. Ho hopefully he can he can chime back in here i i know you guys when i listen to a, a couple of uh, a couple of his at least the, the the most latest i've listened to was uh one by martin luther and george uh whitefield or whitfield i believe it's mm -hmm. whitfield uh but so when it when it comes to these these type of messages, like origins, the one one we did with origins, at least I, I did with origin. Origin was back in. Oh man, what 
It was a message that was given in like 90 AD or 100 AD, like 2000 years ago, a message like, like this was way before the establishment of the, you know, modern uh, Catholic church mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like there was no semblance of uh, the Christian church, if you know what I mean, the modern church that we know today. Yeah. And it was just, it was amazing because the message that he gave, it was very like fast paced. I, I kind of imagined it when I was reading it. And uh, it was just, it was a whole lot of fun. And uh, anyway, the, the one with like John Wycliffe was, it was called uh, the spiritual battle. And kind of like what you were talking about, Wayne, with uh, are these messages relevant for today? It was, it was very interesting because he, he did not mean to give like this message in like a, a preacher form he just like like uh, uh he was talking about like troy was talking about earlier he said that it wasn't even a message that uh like a preaching message he just kind of stood up and that's what the, the message that they did because it was very very short hmm. um but it's, I, I found it very impactful because i, I know about john wickliffe he was one of the reformers he had uh followers named lollards and it, it was very interesting because he, history lesson, did you know? Uh, yes. So he was actually chased by the Catholic Church at the time because he was he was a reformer. Yeah. And uh, John Wycliffe was, and he started this group called Lollards, and they would and check this out, they would hide because they actually went out the the, the church went out because he was not conforming to the church's prescription of mm -hmm. scripture. And the Bible was not allowed to be like out and about type of thing. Read by anybody. Right. But... And it wasn't at that time. It was not like you could not do yeah. that. You would be burned and your Bible would be burned. Sure. And he took and his lollards, these people that followed him, they, because they burned down their town and they were trying to chase these people around, they went and they hid in the mountains and in these caves and in these like caverns that they would carve out out of the mountain, they would by hand translate and copy pages and books out of the bible and then they would train they would train their like um young adults to um oh it was so crazy like they would have these like robes like these this big coat type thing mm -hmm. like trench coat type thing but in the linings and stuff they would actually sew like hundreds of pockets and uh-oh hey we got Try a time here it's Tom. how you doing Hey guys, I want. Um, I think we lost to Troy, uh, so unfortunately we might have to wrap up. Did he, did he message you? No, he hasn't. But um, to kill some dead time, I wanted to hop on here. Maybe you could share the screen and show everybody uh, www.revivethoughts.com. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I just wanted to plug for him. I, I know that we normally give the last couple minutes to him to uh, kind of plug his own show, but um, because there's some connectivity issues, I wanted to hop on here and uh, do that for him. Uh, he's also on uh, Facebook. You can check him out at Revive Thoughts there. Um, and also their podcast is like you see right there, Apple, Spotify, Google, Podbean, anywhere that you listen to your podcast that they're there as well. Good group of guys, great show, great show. Right. And they, they've been, a, they've honestly, they've been a lot of fun to, to work with. And 
they were they were the ones that hosted the the game show that oh yeah that's right i remember that you guys you guys were horrible that we bombed <laughs> so bad like we had three chili crew on there and we could have added up our points and we would have still lost to the other yeah. team <laughs> it's okay you were the stars of the show regardless horribly it's well i'm gonna bad. sign off here guys i want to come up here and plug for them you guys go ahead and wrap up and uh i'll see you guys next week all right, thank see you, Tom. you, Tom. Have a great weekend. We'll see you. All right, even though we kind of lost our, our, our special guest, uh, we do want to bring up Revive Thoughts. Thank you guys so much. Uh, they are gentlemen by the name of uh, Joel and uh, Troy, and they run Revive Thoughts podcast. Just look up Revive Thoughts. So just like Biblical Chili, you Google it, you're going to find it. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, very, very unique. Uh, I'll, I'll leave with a word of prayer, and then we can kind of close out. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that you will uh, bless this message, Father. Help it to uh, keep the conversation going. And I, I pray, Lord, that it will affect many, many souls. I know it is, it's affected our hearts as well. Uh, give us all a safe trip home and help us all have a good night. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good night, everybody. Uh, this has been Justin. This has been And Wayne. And Wayne. All right, good night, everyone. As always, please look up our guests. You can find Troy at RevivedThoughts.com and also you can find Biblical Chili all over the internet. Just look up Biblical Chili and you'll find us on YouTube, on Facebook, and please like and subscribe. It really does help us understand who's listening and how we can help keep the conversation going. If we got Jesus on our side, we got nothing to worry about. We love you and goodbye.